why should some people's sexuality be okay and other people not? Mm. You know, I think that sex is a completely normal and natural thing. It's how each and every one of us got to be here on the planet. If you're lucky enough to get naked with them, then you don't get to criticise their body. What actually are you going to gain by saying something negative? I'd really like to understand that. Come on. And joining me live in the studio is Tanya Coons. Welcome, Tanya. Hey, Maya. Gee, it's good to be back in the studio today. Would you believe this is the first time Tanya and I are catching up over this in person in the studio? (laughs) Instead of waving on the screen. Yeah. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's lovely to have you in here. And I think what better than on this uh, topic or this segment, how to talk about sex, Before we get into the nitty-gritty, though, Mm. we have a very special playlist available as curated by you and some FBI volunteers. It's non-exhaustive. We're going to be updating it all the time. It is about songs to get you in the mood, songs to have some fun to. Yeah, songs to get on down to. Send us in your sexy songs. Yes. Text them in on 0409 945 945. Anything, everything, we'll drop it in. Like I said, it's going to be updated on the regular and you can find it if you look for FBI Radio's Spotify page. We'll chuck it up on our program page as well. Now, Mm. let's recap what we talked about a fortnight ago, how to talk about sex. Why is it important? What do we need to know about it? Why is it important? Well, if it's not, in, if we don't talk about it, how are we going to get what we want? This is a super basic part of it. But also, how do we communicate if things aren't going well? Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time, um, and, and if, we, if we're talking about going for a job, we'd be saying what kind of position we want. Yeah, position power. Um, <laughs> or we'd be talking about uh, what kind of skills or qualifications we have. There'd be a two way exchange. Uh, In most things in life, people can negotiate. But when it comes to sex, it's a little bit tricky because there's so much fear, I think, and stigmatization around people's sex, sexuality, sexual preferences. So one of my missions in life is to make it easier to talk about sex for folks and to give people language to be able to do that. And then if you want to wrap that nice little box up with a string, that would be a the string of consent, right? We need to understand consent and how that works so that people are able to enter into nice intimate situations really clear on where they stand themselves and where their partner stands as well, partner or partners. Mm. And can we also recap again, we got on a little bit of a track about some words we wanted to dump from our vocabulary on what not to use when talking about or discussing sex? Yeah, um, I think I was telling a story about a doctor who said it was ru- uh, they were going to ask me to do something rude, which was to get undressed. So they were insinuating that to be naked is to be rude. Uh, I, and I think referring to bodies or sex or sexual acts as rude or dirty or naughty or shameful that, that language is really pejorative and it doesn't make people feel good about it. Uh, I think that sex is a completely normal and natural thing. It's how each and every one of us got to be here on the planet, right? There can't be anything more normal than that. And it's, it's quite universal. Like every single person on this planet is a sexual being. And we're all different. You know, we look different. We have different ideas, things like that. Same with our sexuality. 
why should some people's sexuality be okay and other people's not? Mm. You know, I think it falls into sort of greater mainstream things where sex can be used to control and oppress people, um, all sorts of things. You know, we talked a little bit about the church and the politicians getting their hands on sex and making rules about it so that some people were more okay than other people. Um, and my view is is that everyone is a sexual being. My definition of normal sex is six words, any sexual act between consenting adults, the last two words being the operative. Mm. Yeah, so understanding that, I think, and taking the, the language that creates shame or embarrassment or even getting a bit tittery about it, like, tee hee hee, you said, you said, wait, you said dick, you know, those sorts of things, makes it really difficult to talk about openly and honestly. So the more that we can have conversations like we do every fortnight on Let's Talk About Sex, I'm hoping the easier it's going to be for people to be able to talk about it in their own lives. Absolutely. Now, we're going to come back in one tick right after this track. We're going to talk about how to start a conversation about sex, which might be a bit uncomfortable or might be a little bit difficult. We've got some tips for you right after this one by Tiara Wack. This is a language warning for you. It's called Dora. Tiara Wack with Dora. New music from her. So excited to hear what's going to come out. But I'm even more excited to be joined live by Tanya Coons right here on Let's Talk About Sex on Mornings for FBI Radio. Tanya and I uh, have been recapping our conversation from a fortnight ago about the importance about how to how to really talk about sex in the right kind of way. And in the right kind of way, we mean in a way that doesn't impose any kind of shame or embarrassment onto somebody else. Yeah. And the key words that you mentioned a little earlier, consent. Consent. Such a polarising word these days. Definitely. But before we get to a big discussion on consent, and in the, in the lead-up, you know, yeah. the foreplay maybe, <laughs> um, it's... Obviously, no doubt, sometimes for a lot of people, trying to start a conversation about sex can be mm. a bit difficult. And by difficult, I mean, for some people, maybe uncomfortable or embarrassing. Yeah. I personally find sometimes in any kind of uh, discussions about things generally, right, if you've had it all said in your head, the act of actually say something out loud is very intimidating. Yeah. And so I feel like that really loans itself to this trying to start a conversation about sex. Um, it can be hard, let alone wanting to get to more intimate subjects about things like new things to try in bed with your partner or someone you're um, seeing, someone you're seeing, someone you're just having fun with, just with a person. Yeah. What are some good ways to start feeling more comfortable with talking about, with talking about sex <laughs> so that you can work towards being more open about it? Yeah, I think something that's really important to remember is when you feel uncomfortable about any conversation, think back to the conversations you've had. How long did you feel uncomfortable? Usually we spend quite a bit of time beating ourselves up beforehand going, oh, I don't know how to bring it up. Oh, it's now a good time. Oh, what will I say? Should I start like this? Should I say this? And we rehearse it in our heads and we have that beautiful anxious thinking that kind of projects us into mm. the future and, and we experience an awkward moment over and over and over again as if it's really happening and it's not. Um, and I've found in my life and from watching lots of people, 
we tend to feel anxious once a conversation starts. We might be a bit choking, <laughs> like I know my throat constricts when I have to have big questions, or if I have to ask someone, someone that's important to me, if I need to ask them for something, my throat will actually literally close up. But um, it, you're only uncomfortable for about forty-five seconds, maybe a minute mm. or two, and then the conversation actually flows, and it's it's not so bad. Right? I think that's something that's really important to remember. I remember when I, I don't know, it was a while ago now, I saw a program about UK sex education and they talked to a class full of 15-year-old students and said, you know what, uh, we're going to have some sex experts come in after lunch. You can ask any question you want. And the kids were like, yes, we're really excited. We're going to ask lots of stuff. And they wrote down all their questions. And the sex experts that they brought in after lunch were their parents. Oh, no. And the kids were like, oh, my God, and like shrinking down behind their desks and dying of embarrassment. And they were sent off to little places in the room with their parents and the questions presented. And it was really awkward for about half a minute. And then they had these amazing conversations about when their parents lost their virginity and what to do and how to how to talk to people. They were really productive and really fantastic. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. And it's really um, made me understand that we need to be able to push through that initial... It's like anything, you know, for those people who've gone bungee jumping, how many minutes were you there terrified before you took the plunge? Exactly. Or if you've gotten on a plane, if you're scared of flying, or if you've walked in the door to a job interview, even though you've been wanting to wet your pants. Like, we have a lot of situations like that in life. And the only benefit from putting ourselves forward is that things could get better. So having a conversation like that... um, Think about the payoff, you know, if you're worried about your partner or if you're wanting to make things more comfortable, that's the thing that you can do. So you can check in. So even so, consent starts with even the talk, talking about sex. Check in if it's okay to have a chat about sex. If it isn't, you can then bring your curiosity to that and say, well, I wonder what's getting in the way of us talking about it. Because and then what will happen is people often people are saying well or oh, I'm a bit embarrassed or this is an icky topic or I don't like talking about that and then you could work together to well what, what could make this a little bit easier for you to talk about it should we go somewhere nice and calm sit in the park you know do you want to have a cup of coffee um, do you want to take a walk around the block or take some deep breaths together something that might sort of get people relaxed and okay about it or even saying, why don't we start? And if it gets a little tricky, then we can stop. Mm. So just sort of really leading a gentle pathway there rather than people going, oh, my God, somebody said we have to talk. What does that mean? I'm starting to imagine all these terrible scenarios. Mm. Yeah. And then when, when it does come to introducing what you want, you've got to, you've got to bring your curiosity to that too. So I'm wondering if you would be open to trying this or you know, I read this thing and I'm quite excited to try it and I only want to try that with you. How do you feel about that? Um, could we just discuss what that might be like? There's no, you know, discussing doesn't mean we have to do it. Mm. Right. So really sort of laying out this is a conversation only, there's no strong arming. I, I think a lot of the time people get a bit whiny if they're not getting what they want. And why, don't you, why don't you give me a blowjob or why don't you ever go down on me? Those sorts of things. Bring curiosity to that to say, you know, Mm, I kind of notice the things that we get up to in the bedroom and there's a whole bunch of things that you receive that maybe I don't. And I was wondering about that. Like, 
is there something that gets in the way for you of meeting me in that place or what's a good way for me to ask you for that or about that when we are naked and having some fun and just gently tease it out rather than I'm not getting this and what's wrong with you right that's straight away going to put people on the back foot Mm. I think being aware of your like surroundings and where you are when you're having that conversation is very important as well. Yeah, it's not a really great place for a cafe chat where the people next door can listen in. Not not (laughs) so much that even, but you know, if you are perhaps in the middle of something, yeah, you don't want to be saying these things or asking these questions if you're in a particularly dominating position or if someone's feeling particularly vulnerable about their body. Yes, Um, there's a really good thing to bring up because also I've had a spate of this lately with clients is that some folk find it really hard to receive directions from their partner. They hear it as criticism Um, and that makes it really tricky then to be able to ask for what you want in the bedroom. Uh, So I think to... Two words that I love to pair together are listen generously. They're so sexy, so, so sexy. Uh, I think if your partner's talking to you about what they may like, never hear that as a criticism. They've, They've been brave enough and vulnerable enough to put themselves out there and say, I am hoping for this. And think to yourself, you know, some people find it easy to ask what they want, but an awful lot of us don't. So if somebody's asking you for something, have a little pause and go, hmm, it's taken them a bit of courage to work themselves up for that. How can I answer with kindness and generosity or how can I be curious about what it is they actually want? Mm. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to come back after this next song and go a little bit more into this discussion about bodies. Mm. On Let's Talk About Sex, so don't go anywhere. This right here is Young and Lips out of Sydney with the song not the word with the song how you're on fbi radio this is mornings my name's maya billick and i am joined by tanya coons right here for let's talk about sex and we are chatting through how to talk about sex. We were giving you some tips a little earlier on how to start the conversation, free yourself of any awkwardness or embarrassing constraints and reflecting on why it is important to have this discussion about mm. those discussions because you want to be sending the right signals to someone you're about to hop into bed with, right? You don't want to make anyone feel particularly embarrassed or say the wrong thing. Yeah, well, think about it. If you feel embarrassed, you're not going to be feeling very sexy or open, are you? No. Oh, your partner isn't going to be if you sort of blunder on in there and don't take care. No. And so Um, we are now arriving at the point of talking about bodies, which is what we do pretty much every fortnight. (laughs) We do a lot. (laughs) We talk about bodies. But Tanya, what are some important things to note uh, when talking about not only our own bodies, but when uh, perhaps to a partner talking about their body in order to have productive and positive conversations about them? Um, well, I just inferred to it. It's it's really not sexy to be critical of bodies, our own or other people's, right? It, it's, it's a funny thing, but all bodies are capable of having pleasure and being sexual. Absolutely everybody. It's society that puts shame and stigma onto bodies that differ from their norms. Um, I'm, I've seen a lot of beautiful imagery lately of people who have 
bodies that are different to societal norms. They may be in wheelchairs. They may be shorter or taller. They may be missing bits. They may have scars or injuries. And they're wearing sexy clothes and in sexy positions. And it's striking how beautiful these images are, but also how rare it is to see them. Mm. Uh, So I think that we need to just sort of focus on all of us like to feel nice. Uh, um, sex, sex is nice and pleasure is good for you. Let's focus on that and what it might take to feel nice. <clears throat> Pardon me. So when I'm encouraging people to talk to each other about sex, focus on what may feel nice, how that may feel nice, where that may feel nice, and understand that bodies change from day to day. Um, so you might be feeling sort of, oh, supple, and bendy one day and then you might be a bit stiff the next after you've spent the day packing boxes or pulled a muscle at the gym. Mm. Uh, I think when we're looking at people who um, have an interesting relationship with their body, body dysmorphia, their bodies and their genitals will change on a daily basis as well. Uh, Some people have bodies that have monthly cycles so places can be lovely to touch one or two days and a couple of days later a little bit tender or sore. So it's really important to sort of understand that what worked yesterday might not work today and to check in and not get exasperated about that because we're all we're all constantly changing and what's happening around us is as well. So our mental energy, our emotional energy and our physical energy all change and that's okay. Uh, and then we need to pay attention to language. How do you and your partner refer to certain body parts Pardon me. So don't make assumptions. Don't make gender assumptions based on genitals. Don't make assumptions on how people like to call things. That can land you in an awkward place very quickly. Um, It can take two seconds to check in and ask people how they like to refer to themselves or parts of themselves. So it could be like, so what terms are you comfortable using when it comes to talking about genitals? Or you could... um, lead by example and say I like my pussy or my cock to be touched like this Um, so you're telling them how you refer to your genitals rather than leaving it up to them to guess Um, yeah and I've I've always said don't be critical of your partner's body if you're lucky enough to get naked with them then you don't get to criticize their body at all ever if they've put on weight okay if they've taken off weight okay you know it's it's that's it's their body and it's up to them and what actually are you going to gain by saying something negative. I'd really like to understand that. Who is it for? If you're criticizing somebody, they're gonna feel really uncomfortable in their body and shut down, generally. So before you say something that could be construed as critical about someone's body, stop yourself and go, hmm, who am I saying this for? What's the point? What do I wanna get out of this, right? Um, Yeah, I think that that's, it's that sort of thing and then just, understanding the differences I think if you bring your curiosity like wow I'm going to play with this body I wonder what turns it on you know I wonder what this kind of body what kind of pleasure I can get from this body what kind of pleasure they can get from that body I wonder how my body is going to interact with theirs there's a whole bunch of beautiful explorations that people can have when they take us away what what a perpetuated norm might be Mm. yeah totally so much Well, thank you again, always, Tanya, for sharing your massive wisdom. We will come back again after this last song, Funkin' Around by me and my toothbrush going out to Effie here on FBI. Stay tuned. (laughs) 
from Tanya's playlist to ours, right there, Funkin' Around by me and my toothbrush, going around to Effie, who's tuning in and having a ball listening. We're on Let's Talk About Sex, and we have one final question before we wrap up today's segment, and that is, I think one that maybe uh, is expected or would be expected when talking about how to talk about sex, right? How to talk about periods and women talking about their periods because I would go so far as to say it is very much still in that vein of an ugh and stigmatised. Yeah. I don't understand why people think that it's gross. Uh, Well, uh, yeah. We we talk about this all the time on this show, about normalising all things that are around us and our bodies because bodies are normal, right? And... I just don't understand why something that's a natural, normal occurrence is shamed. Do we shame women for giving birth? No, we don't. We actually celebrate them and go, that's an amazing thing that just happened there. Mm. But we do shame them around bleeding once a month. Um, it happens to nearly all all people with vulvas. I, I should just say just some folk for bleeding because quite a few people bleed. Um, it's another form of sy- systemic oppression, I think, discriminating against people on the basis of their bodies. Why is it that some people bleeding is so offensive? I'm really interested because some folks ejaculate and there's no stigmatisation around that. Often that's a celebrated and obsessed about thing. Yet when it comes to bleeding, people start to get very squicky. We're happy to sit down and watch countless bodies, murders, mayhem on TV and in the movies. And if it comes to seeing a little bit of period blood, people get so squicked out about it. Yeah. And I, I think it's personal preference. There are some folks who are like, you know what, when, when I'm bleeding or my partner's bleeding, that's it. There's going to be no intimate relations for the. Sometimes it's just the heavy part of it. Sometimes it's the whole time it takes them off. But I, I remember being really surprised when I started getting lots of younger men coming through my practice guys that are like 18 or 19 who had never seen pubic hair on a woman and who couldn't touch their girlfriends for half of the month because one week would be menstruation week and one week would be the week before they went and got waxed and it was a no-go because they were ashamed of their genitals and I was really really distressed to hear this and this was this was the people who own the genitals putting the shame on themselves. So I think it's really, really important that, again, we check in and be like, oh, how are you about, you know, sex around the time that you're menstruating? Is that something you like? Some people really, really enjoy that. It's earthy. They like to connect with their partner in that way. There are, there are some folks who absolutely and utterly get off on body smells and odours and it's a really lustful thing for them. Other people can be a little bit more reserved about mm. that stuff. But I think, and reserved or not comfortable is okay. It's the shame and the stigma that we have to think about. Totally. So even conversations about this, like, hey, how are you about sex at that time of the month, puts it on the table rather than a thing that's never discussed and skirted around and, oh, no, we can't and why and all these sorts of embarrassing things. It's like, wham, put it on the table and say... Is it because you're worried about staining the sheets? Is it because you feel a bit funny? How would you feel if we used a condom? How would you feel if I told you I didn't mind about that? Um, if it's you with the blood and your partner going, oh, that makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, again, you could say, 
what if we used a condom or are there other things that we could do? And, and again, that, that might take some activities off, but you can still have a lot of pleasure working around things. Mm. I think that's really important to think about as well. Really important. So focus on pleasure, focus on what works well, and focus just on working with the bodies that we have right now. Tanya, thank you always for stopping by and sharing your wise words, sage advice, all around excellent musings. Um, you can listen back to the Let's Talk About Sex podcast wherever you get your pods from. Just look for FBI Radio. And Tanya will be back in a fortnight. Yes, indeed. But in the meantime, you can get your Let's Talk About Sex fix with the Let's Talk About Sex Getting in the Mood playlist. Yes. We're going to pop a link up on at fbiradio.com. 